1: Welcome to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, I am very excited for this episode. And yes, I know I say that every single week, but this week I am being honest. Well, every week I'm being honest, but I'm really, really excited for this one because we have a special guest on today and we are talking all about Hashimoto's disease. This is something that I see so many clients struggle with. uh, And if they are not gathering a formal diagnosis from their physicians. This is something that a lot of women I know are going to their doctors and saying, can you check my thyroid? Can you check my thyroid? Uh, Because they're they're struggling with weight loss or not feeling their best. They're noticing changes to their hair and their nails and their energy levels. And so we are going to have a deep dive conversation all about the thyroid today. And we're bringing a special guest on and her name is Esther Yankin. Esther is a registered nurse, and she worked for 17 years in the emergency department where she grew fed up with the broken conventional healthcare model. Sick and tired of putting short-term band-aids on problems, she went back to school for holistic health education. Now she helps women with Hashimoto's thyroiditis find hope, healing, and energy without becoming overwhelmed. She has a weekly podcast, Health and Hashimoto's. Esther lives with her husband and four boys in Minnesota Esther, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So Esther, I know I kind of gave a brief bio of who you are, but I would love for you to tell us more about that transition of emergency room medicine to now um, working more in the holistic field. Yeah. So
2: I have always known that I wanted to be like in a, sorry, if you just heard that, I think a cat just jumped up on a bookshelf and fell down. Um, <laughs> I've always known that I wanted to be in the helping field. So ever since I was little, like nursing or, you know, maybe physical therapy or doctor, but it always went back to nursing. And when I went to college my freshman year, I remember writing a paper for an honors class and it was all about seeing the person as a whole. And at that time I looked at it, body, mind, and spirit. And then when you go through your nursing um, training, that's really how nurses are trained. We are trained to see the whole person to help people be advocates for their own health and their own care. And then you leave college and you go in to the hospital and everything is broken. And then you start working in the physician model, which is, in my interpretation, look at a symptom and put a patch on it. In the emergency department, it's really the goal is to figure out, you know, where does this person need to go instead of how can we help this person heal long-term, which makes sense for the emergency department. However, everything is broken now. So we would see the same people over and over, and we would see the same problems over and over. And I got so fed up of just putting those short-term band-aids on it when I knew there was stuff going on. I absolutely knew it. And that kind of came to a head twice. Once I was largely pregnant with my third boy, And my coworkers very nicely put me in like a quieter area um, overnight. And I was online for some reason and I found functional medicine. And I emailed my husband like at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is it. But he was in school at that time. So it wasn't my turn. And then after my fourth son was born, he was just covered head to toe with eczema. And I knew there was something going on. And I couldn't figure it out on my own. So that is when, you know, I recruited more help for him. And then I went back to school. My journey into Hashimoto's was a couple years later when I had my own problems. And I told my husband before I was getting my labs, I'm like, it can be anything. It just cannot be my thyroid because my thyroid, all of that stuff does not make sense to me. Like you can stop me on the street and you can ask me anything about any problem physiologically. And I can explain it. I can explain it. Body, mind, spirit, diet, environment. I can give you tips. But if you ask me something about thyroid, that's completely lost. So I told my husband, I'm like, it can't be thyroid. It can be anything else. And of course, it was my thyroid. (laughs) So that was like my push to dig into you know, what is Hashimoto's and what is your thyroid and how do things work and why are the numbers so confusing? And once I got all of that figured out in my own head, then I was able to translate it and start teaching it because I know if I was confused as an RN with four years of nursing training, and then another two years of holistic health training, like if that confused me, I knew that the average person was probably also confused. So it's it's an honor to be able to explain things now simply so that people can understand it.
1: Oh, well we are thankful for people like you. I'm sorry it took you that in that direction to get there, but we need help and we need somebody to explain it to us. And just so we don't feel like we're going crazy, right? Like we know yeah. some things are going on in our body and we don't understand it. And when you know maybe our physicians don't have the time to sit down and explain everything in ways that we understand, it can get really frustrated obviously the internet is a wealth of information, but where do we even start? And then there's conflicting information. So I, we would just love today to start breaking some of those questions down, you know, just even starting with what is Hashimoto's?
2: That's a great place to start, but let's back up one spot more. Like what okay. is your thyroid? Great. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune problem. There are many different autoimmune diseases and each one is named after a specific area of the body that they're attacking. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune problem and it is attacking your thyroid. So you need to understand what your thyroid is to know like why things are breaking. Um, But any autoimmune problem, like you need to focus on your immune system. So there's that. But the thyroid itself is, um, let's look at a car. I'm not a car person, but I think I can explain it well enough that anybody would understand. You put gas in your car. That's great. That's like food in your body. You eat food. You need the nutrition. You need the energy. But if the gas can't get to the right part of the engine, then the engine can't go. And that's kind of like your thyroid. Your thyroid is that part of the engine that allows the, the energy to go to the cells and activate the cells. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Okay. So then your thyroid itself, when people think thyroid, they think TSH, if they know anything about labs, but the TSH is your brain telling your thyroid, I need more energy. So your TSH, I look at it kind of like a light switch. When, when your power goes off and you walk into the bathroom, you flick the light switch, right? Like, like, you know that you need light. And if you don't know your power is out, you might flip the light switch a couple of times that's your TSH. It's your brain flipping that switch saying, Hey, give me more energy. Turn the lights on, turn the lights on. So the higher the TSH is, the more your brain is asking your thyroid, Hey, give us more energy. Give us more energy. Give us more energy. That's how I look at that TSH. So when your thyroid is working, it's actually producing a hormone that goes to every single cell in the body and allows it basically to turn on, to activate. And then when your cells are working you're working.
1: Yeah. And we're actually doing this podcast um, audio only. So I'm watching you as we're recording, as you're push as you're pointing towards your throat, but we should probably even mention where is your thyroid located?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your thyroid is at the base of your neck in the front. And so some people they'll notice that they get like a lump there. Uh, some people even notice that it's hard to swallow because their thyroid is getting bigger. And some doctors, they'll do an ultrasound of your thyroid when they think something is going on, but most people, most providers don't do an ultrasound. They just do some labs. But that's where your thyroid is. And if you've ever seen pictures of somebody with a goiter, that's a really big swelling in the base of your neck.
1: Is it necessary to get um
2: an ultrasound?
1: An ultrasound, yeah. I was gonna say MRI. I'm like, no, that was not right. An <laughs> ultrasound of your thyroid. Is that necessary to diagnose properly? Or is that just why would some physicians do it and others won't?
2: Um it- I think the reason most people do it when they do it is to rule out thyroid cancer. Um, but it does not have anything to do with Hashimoto's. But when you're looking at you know, why is the thyroid not working well, it could be, you know, cancer. So people want to rule out
1: that. Okay. And does the thyroid get larger when it's not working? So like you said, that light switch, that TSH is showing us that the body is trying to make it work. Does Is there inflammation on the thyroid itself that it grows or not necessarily?
2: Yep, there actually is. So the full name of Hashimoto's is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And anytime you hear an itis at the end of a word, that itis means inflammation. So Hashimoto's is, I don't know what Hashimoto's came from, probably somebody's name. And then thyroiditis means your thyroid is inflamed. That's the full name of the disease. All
1: right. So let's back up to, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when we used to call hypothyroid disease like hypothyroidism or like hypothyroid, low thyroid or hyper. What is the difference between hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's thyroiditis?
2: So Hashimoto's would be the reason behind why somebody has hypothyroid. Hypothyroid means that your thyroid gland is not producing enough thyroid hormone. So it is low functioning. So that's where you get the hypo in the thyroid. If you have hyperthyroid, that means it's producing too much thyroid hormone. And there is an autoimmune condition that causes that. And that is Graves' disease. And that's also autoimmune. Now, the thing with Hashimoto's is we believe that about 90% of hypothyroid comes from Hashimoto's. But because Hashimoto's is actually your body attacking your thyroid, when it starts destroying the thyroid tissue, it can give you both hypo and hyper symptoms. Because it's not working well. So then it's going to be less, you know, hypo. But also, as some of that thyroid is destroyed, it's going to release more hormones. So you can also have hyper symptoms. So people are so confused because they're like, I have some hypo symptoms and I have some hyper symptoms. What is going on with my body? And that's why.
1: So why does your body decide of all places in your, in your body and all organs and tissues and why the thyroid? Like, why do you, and maybe that's a question that's, (laughs) that's kind of broad, but it seems, I mean, I know that autoimmune disease affects different parts of your body, right? Some affect the joints, some affect your skin, but it feels like for this little tiny butterfly shaped, you know, I guess, organ, is that the right word to use for it? Is it at the base of your neck? Why, why autoimmune focus is there?
2: There's a couple of reasons. And the basic one is genetics. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has a predisposition to certain things. So we all have inflammation and where that inflammation, uh, you know, impacts you the most is a lot dependent on your genetics. So that's number one. But another reason is the thyroid. Um, It's kind of like the canary in the coal mine for toxins. And we just have more and more toxins that we're exposed to, whether it's environmental chemicals or, you know, stuff that we can't see. You know, we talk about EMFs sometimes, and some people think that that's crazy because we can't see them or feel them or hear them or smell them. But there's so many things that we're Affected by now, and that really shows up in our thyroid.
1: So, you'll have to define what's EMF.
2: So, EMF is electromagnetic frequency, I think it stands for. And it's basically what powers all of our Wi Fi and all of the things that we cannot see. Um, you think even a microwave, I believe, would be considered on that spectrum of EMF, but I can't remember for sure. Um, But, you know, basically Wi-Fi, phones, all of that, they're putting out some sort of electromagnetic frequency and those do have an impact on our physical health.
1: Yeah. That's why I tell my kids they can't charge their phones in their room when they sleep at night. Um, How old's Jake now? Jake's 18. So 18 years ago, my husband threw our microwave out on the front lawn because he didn't want me using it. And I would heat up water to make a, like a double broiler bath to heat up food. I wouldn't put the food in the microwave, but I would heat the water up to heat up the food. And he caught me using it one time and threw the microwave out on the front lawn. And I was like, (laughs) like, you got to go get that because we cannot be those people that have microwaves in our front yard. (laughs)
2: I still use my microwave and almost every time I have a little bit of guilt, um, but I try, we have, you know, it's in the kitchen. So I try to stand behind the fridge when I use the <laughs> microwave. So at least I have like that huge thing in between us. I don't know. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I and mean, then I mean, you even think about like imagining you wearing like a dental vest as you put your microwave on, but I mean, dental vests, right? They are, prote- I'm assuming they're protecting your... Part of your thyroid, right? When they put that over your neck, when they take an x-ray.
2: That's exactly the reason why. Yep. And if you are getting any sort of imaging, they'll give you a lead apron. But if you're a female, they'll also, and why females? I don't know, but they'll give you a neck lead shield as well. Like in the emergency department or our aprons would have like a high collar to protect your thyroid. Nobody talked about why it just, you know, you put on
1: the apron and there it was. Right. Okay. Like, this is just our protocol. Yep. <laughs> don't question it, just put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think I read somewhere at oh, some point in time, like 80% of autoimmune disease is in women. So there was something like there's an estrogen component. So maybe because um, it's so frequent in females, maybe that's why they put the collar on females because is that added layer. Of yeah, maybe,
2: I don't know, but yeah, a lot of the autoimmune are estrogen related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so let's talk a little bit more. So how would one, well, okay, I wanna make sure I'm phrasing this right. How would one even know that they have Hashimoto's? What are some of the symptoms?
2: There's a couple things people notice right away, and one of them is thinning hair. It seems like the thinning hair and the weight gain or trouble losing weight, those are the two big reasons why people seek help. But fatigue is another huge symptom, and that could be physical fatigue. It could be brain fatigue, which we generally call brain fog. Um, it could be mental health fatigue, which would be depression like it's your body not working well. So whether that's your brain and you get more depressed or whether it's your metabolism and you can't lose weight or whether it's your physical energy and you just can't wake up in the morning and then you can't get through the day without a nap. And then you go to bed early. You're you've seen that meme. Are you a morning, a morning lark or a night owl, or are you a chronically exhausted pigeon? Like that's Hashimoto's. (laughs) You're that chronically exhausted pigeon. Um, So those are the three main things that would point to Hashimoto's or hypothyroid would be that weight gain, um, the fatigue and the depression. The hair loss is something that people notice, um, but I don't know that that would be like your doctor would notice it. Um, Along with hair loss, the outer third of your eyebrows, if that's thinning, that's almost always thyroid. And Mm. then A lot of times we can't notice that in ourselves because it happens gradually over time. But when you're walking through a crowd of people, start to look at people's eyebrows. And you're like, huh, I wonder if they have a thyroid problem because you can notice it in other people. Um, and then there are so many other symptoms because your thyroid controls every single cell and if you don't have healthy cells, you don't have healthy organs. If you don't have healthy organs, you don't have a healthy you. But depending on which organs or which tissues for you are most impacted, that's where you're going to feel symptoms. And I want to go back to the depression quick. Um, it It's officially the standard of care. If you have depression, that your doctor will run a thyroid panel because so much depression is from hypothyroid, that you can throw depression medications at it all you want, and it's not going to work until you actually address what's causing it, which is the thyroid problem. So if somebody has depression, they absolutely need to look at their thyroid. And if their doctor is not addressing thyroid, they need to find somebody else who will, or they need to hop online and order their own labs, which is so easy to do now, at least in the United States. I don't know if you can do that worldwide, but in the US, we have the capability to order our own labs for ourselves and get them.
1: Now, okay. Now you just opened up a whole lot of questions. So so just a quick note with that. So if somebody wanted to order their own labs, but they might not be able to run their insurance through that, they, that would be an out-of-pocket expense, correct? Yes,
2: absolutely. Okay. In fact, order. if you have one of those, you know, order your own labs, there's a disclaimer right on there from the lab company that says you can't use your insurance because there's part of the broken healthcare system. The insurance controls your doctor and your doctor writes the prescriptions or writes the lab, but they are controlled by what your insurance will and will not allow. So if you want something on your own, you have to pay for it and it's worth it, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, still going with diagnosing. So those are some of the physical symptoms that someone might feel from a physician standpoint, ordering labs. What are we looking at?
2: The broken model is they ordered TSH and that's it. And like I said, TSH is your brain telling your thyroid, we need more energy. But when you're looking at what's actually going on, you want a lot more labs than just TSH because your TSH is your brain function. It's not even your thyroid function. So you want to know, you know, how much thyroid is your thyroid gland producing? You want to know if that is being converted. So let me explain that. Your thyroid, when it makes the hormone, it makes what's called T4. And that four indicates um, four molecules of iodine. And then it goes to your body, and your body has to convert it to T3 in order to be used. So it's going to take one of those iodine molecules off. Your body needs both T4 and T3, and that's to get energy. Okay. So here's your body being so wise. If your body is focused on healing and trying to feel better and fix things, your body knows innately that it needs more rest. So is your body going to say, Oh yeah, let's have a whole bunch more energy. Let's go do, do, do. No, your body being so wise, be like, no, let's put the brakes on. So we have to rest because we need to prioritize healing. So your body creates this thing called reverse T3, and that's like the brake system. It's saying we're not going to convert the inactive thyroid to active thyroid. We need to prioritize rest. So you also want to measure that reverse T3 in your labs because you want to know if your body has the brake system on. So, so far we've talked about, we need the TSH, we need the T4, T3, and reverse T3. Then the other thing you also want to look at is your antibodies. Is your body actively fighting your thyroid? And there's two different antibodies you can test and it's called TPO and TG. you want to get both of those tested. So if your physician is looking or your nurse practitioner, whoever is looking at a good thyroid panel, it's going to include each of those as well as vitamin D. Vitamin D isn't technically part of your thyroid, but vitamin D plays a huge role in your immune function. And it is one lab that is directly impacting your antibodies. So we always want to (coughs) include, excuse me, include that in your thyroid lab.
1: Yeah. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but low vitamin D levels also contribute to depression.
2: Yes, they do.
1: So it's you're kind of creating a perfect storm here. A lot of times the low vitamin D level can activate autoimmune disease, be one of those things that turns it on. So I always tell my clients, like, please get your vitamin D levels checked. This is an easy fix. Right? Yes. We can supplement with vitamin D. Why do you think we have such a problem with vitamin D right now? Like we never really like growing up. Nobody ever talked about vitamin D. Now, all of a sudden, do we just have more information or, you know, is the ozone layer horrific?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think a couple things happened. Uh, Number one, we became an indoor society. You know, kids don't even go outside and play all day anymore, much less adults. And then when we are outside the, you know, whoever, whatever industry they've convinced us so much that we have to put on sunblock. We're going to put sunblock in your moisturizer. And when you go outside, you're going to wear a hat and you're going to protect yourself from the sun. Well, all of that is contributing to, we're not getting as much sun exposure. So we're not getting the vitamin D from the sun. And, and that's huge. Um, also vitamin D, um, I I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory, but it's cheap and it's, like the pharmaceutical industry isn't making any money from it, which means they're not pouring research money into it, which means they're not pushing it out there in all of their ads to the doctors and also to the general public. So there's a couple different things going on, but yeah, vitamin D, it's it's so cheap to supplement. It's cheap to test. Like you can test your own for forty bucks, and. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's easy. And vitamin D controls over 200 different processes in the body. And it's huge in the immune system.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was groaning a little bit when you said like, kids don't go outside. I'm like, that drives me nuts. I'm like the mom that is constantly screaming, get outside. Like, I don't care what you do. Just go outside. Like that's such a mood booster, right? Getting that sunlight and you know, you're right. We are just so sedentary and it's just so sad because there's so much breakdown in the body health-wise when we're not getting outside and moving, but that's for a different episode. So.
2: <laughs> but you're totally right.
1: Yes. Yeah. So what do you, so we talked about like looking at some of those blood works, right? We talked about the TSH, the T4, the T3, the reverse T3, TPO, TG, vitamin D, right? Yep. All right, so help us read lab work because it's a little confusing. When you look at TSH, it is a very broad range. I think it's, what, 0.45 to 4.5 or 4.0, somewhere around there. I'm going to let you tell it versus (laughs) me guessing.
2: So when it comes to lab work, I just Google it. Even as a nurse, like I always looked at the reference range when I was in the emergency department, because there's so many numbers and I didn't trust myself to remember every single lab, every single reference range. And now there's more than one reference range. So if you get your labs and you Google, like what's a normal TSH, you're going to come up with two different ranges. One of them is going to be the conventional range. And that was based on a sick population. So they had a whole bunch of people get their TSH done and some of them had thyroid problems. And then those were all lumped into quote normal. So your normal, quote normal TSH includes a sick population. So that's when you Google what's a normal TSH, it's going to be a wrong reference range. So Google what's the functional medicine reference range. Now, functional medicine is a bit narrower So just TSH is going to be 1.5 to three. So already you can see that it's more narrow than if you just Google what's a normal TSH. And it's the same thing for all of the other labs. I always look at the functional range, not the normal range. And you're gonna get dialed in a little bit more specific.
1: Another word that I've seen post like the optimal range. So you have I'm not saying that we can't use the word functional range, but you know, of when you're looking at your labs, you know, there is an acceptable range, but then there's also an optimal range where you're probably going to feel your best.
2: Yep. Yep. And I find that the functional medicine, they're, they're coalescing a little bit more as, you know, a group of professionals. So I think, It's a little bit more defined than somebody like a blogger, even a very educated blogger saying this is optimal. That's why I Google functional medicine because it's becoming its own specialty.
1: Okay. I like that. All right. So do you find that somebody can be experiencing the symptoms, the thinning hair, the, the eyebrow, (laughs) the third of the eyebrow, the fatigue, the trouble with weight loss? And their numbers are still coming back normal.
2: Yes. Yep. Because your your body compensates and it compensates for so long. And so that's why you want a full panel because usually if that's going on, if you're having symptoms, you're going to see it in some of the labs. You're probably going to see elevated antibodies if it's an autoimmune issue, which that's what we're talking about. Hashimoto's not all hypothyroid is autoimmune, but like I said earlier, about 90% is. So if you get a full panel, then you're going to get a better idea of what's going on than just looking at TSH. And in general, when I hear people say I'm having all these symptoms, but my labs came back normal, what they're talking about is their doctor said, we're going to run some labs. And then their doctor said, your labs are fine, but they didn't say, these are the labs we ran. Oh, by the way, for thyroid, we only tested your TSH and it's good. Like, if you actually dig into it, that's probably what happened. They probably didn't run that full panel and say, "Oh, you know what? Your antibodies are going up." And when we tested them six months ago, you know your TPO was 15, and now your TPO is 40. Like there wasn't that discussion. But if you look at that history at that trend, you're like, okay, my antibodies are going up, which means my body is attacking my thyroid, which means my thyroid is now compensating and maybe it's keeping up, but it's under stress and it's going to fail at some point. So we need to take action earlier, the earlier, the better we don't want to, we don't want to follow the conventional medical model, which is, eh, yeah, you've got symptoms, but you're not bad enough. Why don't you come back when you're worse? And then we'll give you some medicine (laughs) That's just screwed up. Let's take action now. The earlier, the better.
1: Yeah. So that takes us to treatment because I think this is where a lot of people have questions and trying to figure out what is, you know, is this one of those, your thyroid's broken. There's nothing we can do about it. You're going to have to be on medication for the rest of your life. Or what are some of those things that we can do? Can we reverse it or fix it without conventional medication?
2: That's one thing that I feel like I have like have a superpower because I spent 17 years in you know regular or conventional medicine. Like I I believe in medications. Like there is a purpose and there is a time. And getting on some thyroid medication can be very helpful. But also with my training in holistic medication medicine, like I know that you have to address the root and you have to address the whole. So When you get your labs and you find out that something's going on with your thyroid, you very well might need to have medication. And that is to help your thyroid um, or help your body have more thyroid hormone. Um, And then, sorry, cat. Um, But you're also going to address the root causes. Because if you're not fixing what's causing the problem, you're just putting a bandaid on it. So somebody who just takes Synthroid, for example, is the most common medication. They are only making up for what their thyroid is not producing. They're not addressing why their thyroid is not producing. So then over time, their thyroid is going to become more and more damaged because their body is attacking their thyroid. Their immune system is attacking their thyroid. And then they're going to need more and more Synthroid over time as that thyroid becomes more damaged. So it's really important to look at the root causes. And there are about 11 root causes that I've identified. Um, One of them, like we already talked about is genetics. Obviously you cannot change your family tree, but you can turn on and off different genes with nutrition, which is your specialty. So, you know, reducing um, inflammation through food is going to help. And then there's a gut component that's also a root cause. So making sure that you have a healthy gut, making sure that, you know, at least you're pooping once a day. I feel like that's a really easy way to start looking at gut health. And then there's other triggers. Like we talked about vitamin D and I do have a list. Um, actually, if people are interested in that, cause it's more than we can cover just here. Um, I did two full episodes on the root causes on my podcast podcast. And so, if people are interested, that's episodes 60 and 61. And it's all diving into the root causes. That's excellent. So, hopefully, people answer to that question is you need medications to fill that gap, but you also need to be addressing the roots.
1: Okay. So, let's go into what are some of the medications. So, we talked about Synthroid, which is a name brand drug for levothyroxine. So a lot of clients are taking the the generic version. There is Armor, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So can you explain the difference? Because there is a difference between name brand and and the generic for some people, and then more natural um, medications.
2: Yes. Yep. Some people have to be on the name brand Synthroid because it has different levels uh, than the generic. And that is something that I learned in the ER very early on. I didn't understand why. I just knew that if somebody came in and said, I have to take Synthroid, we would have to specify that in the chart because they could not take the generic. So Synthroid or Levithyroxine is T4. And like I said, that's what your thyroid gland normally produces. Armour and some other different medications, they're a combination of T4 and T3, because your body is probably not converting the T4 into T3 so that it can be used. So some people are fine with the T4 and some people need that combo. Unfortunately, T3 back, I think it was in the eighties, it was used off label as a diet pill because it causes like increased energy and it improves or it increases your metabolism. So people were using it off label and then they were causing really bad problems because You know, they were having hyperthyroid episodes. And then T3 got a bad rap in medicine because people were having heart problems. So, for that reason, a lot of physicians are still to this day a little hesitant to prescribe a combo T4 and T3, even though you're not using it off label. You're using it because your body actually needs the T3. So it should be fine. Um, if your doctor is not prescribing or not willing to prescribe T4 plus T3, you can have that conversation of why not? Like, do, Would it actually you know, help me? And also go back to that reverse T3 lab, get that checked because if your reverse T3 is elevated, it means your body isn't um, converting T4 to T3. And then if your doctor still won't do it, then find a different doctor.
1: So not everybody needs to be on the T4, T3 combo. Is what right. you're saying. So yeah. there, if your body
2: not- is converting T4 on its own, then T4 on its own should be fine. So that's Synthroid or levothyroxine. If your body is not converting, then you might need a combo.
1: Are there anything any supplements or anything we can take that act similar to the conventional medications, or is that the only route that we need, that we need to go to?
2: There are a lot of things that can help with energy. There are a lot of, or some things that help, you know, your mitochondria, but I haven't seen any, um, herbal or natural things that will actually be like T4 or T3. I think that that's one spot where if you need it, you need the me- actual medication.
1: Okay. Cause I get that question a lot. Like, is this, is it, this do I, I, cause a lot of times people are like, I don't want to be on medications for the rest of my life. And I'm like this one, you kind of have to, but I don't want to steer people wrong. If there's been advances or new information out there, um, if that, if that is truly the right recommendation or if there's something else out there.
2: Right. Well, I work with my nurse practitioner and she's flat out told me, I don't want you on medications for your life. Like it is her goal to get me off medications, but that doesn't mean just stopping the medication. It means working on the root causes so that my body, my thyroid doesn't need the medication. Stopping a medication when you need it is just causing more harm. Stopping a medication because your body is now doing its own job. That's a different story.
1: So that brings me to the question, because you've mentioned a few times through our conversation that um, there's damage. If you are not fixing the problem, there's damage. Can we reverse that damage?
2: Your body wants to heal and your body is always trying to fix things. The thing is, there might be more going on than just your thyroid. How many of us only have inflammation at the point of our thyroid none of us (laughs) there's many things going on so it's really up to you to support your body as much as you can in all of those healing processes so you know get some good sleep get some nutrition um good nutrition cut out processed foods work on your own root causes because you're supporting your body to heal um There are many people, especially in conventional medicine who say, once your thyroid is damaged, you're done. But I don't agree with that. And I have talked to people who have reversed their Hashimoto's and they don't have any symptoms anymore and their labs are totally normal. So can you heal? I would say yes. A conventional doctor will probably tell you no.
1: So let's dive in a little bit just because this is a nutrition podcast. You know, what are some of those foods that can help, you know, whether you want to say restore the gut or foods that potentially may contribute to um, increased inflammation? What are, what are some of those foods that we may want to choose more of and where we want to maybe back off from?
2: I think you're probably definitely the better person to ask (laughs) that question to but in general, you know, whole real foods are going to be better. And colorful foods are going to be better. Vegetables, um, I heard one doctor tell her patients and the education class, she said, if you want to do one thing to improve your health, double your vegetables. Like if I can give you just one tip, double your vegetable intake, because that's going to help your liver, which processes every single chemical, pretty much every single chemical is going to impact your health. So much. So, you're going to increase your process or your um, not processed foods. And then also probiotics and prebiotics, just consuming a diet that has those, that's going to be helpful for your gut. And like I always tell people, nutrition and diet first. And if you can't do it with your diet, then that's where supplementation comes in. Um, I do not eat a lot of fermented foods. So, I take a probiotic, um, you know, on if I was going to be making my own sauerkraut and having that every day and having a lot of fermented foods, then maybe I wouldn't supplement with probiotics, but I know that probiotics are really good for my gut. So I supplement that's one thing that I do.
1: Okay. All right. Well, and I think, you know, not that I was trying to trap you at all, cause I wasn't doing that, but you know, with the, when it comes to nutrition, it can get confusing because again, this is where a lot of information like, Oh, you have autoimmune, you have to be gluten-free or dairy-free or soy-free? That's actually a question I see a lot for people like the, the, what is the connection between soy and thyroid?
2: The connection is primarily an estrogen. And we already said that a lot of autoimmune conditions are related to that estrogen dominance that women have. So if you're having anything, like just take out some foods and see how you do. Um, gluten, soy, dairy, and sugar, they're all inflammatory. So if you have an autoimmune problem, you want to reduce your inflammation. Um, Soy is going to impact the estrogen. Gluten, not only is it inflammatory, but gluten can be a thyroid mimic in the body. So your body can actually start attacking. I believe it's because of the gluten mimicking thyroid, your body starts to attack your thyroid more. And honestly, I don't understand exactly how it works. I just know that people who have studied it said that people who take out gluten, 80% of them start to feel better um, if they have thyroid problems. So yeah, reducing inflammation by cutting out those really inflammatory foods and then gluten, soy, dairy, sugar is helpful, but it's hard. So I will also go off and say, you have to look at the whole picture. Like I am gluten free. I have been for a long time. I know that if I eat gluten, number one, I get depressed. Like It's almost instantaneous. I just am so depressed, which is just crazy to me. And then also I get more migraines. Um, so I choose to not have gluten. I also know that cutting out dairy would probably help me. But at the same time, if I cut out dairy, I will be eating most of my meals alone. I'm going to be at the table with my family but I'm going to be isolated in what I eat. And that loneliness and that feeling of, um, I guess just the feeling of loneliness, it plays a huge role in your overall health And also the stress of trying to figure out what you're going to eat and the stress of making two meals, the stress of sitting down and smelling everybody else's food and not being able to stress increases your autoimmune problems. So I look at the whole picture and at this point in time, I have not cut out dairy because it's going to impact so much more than just the physiological effects of eating dairy. Does that make sense?
1: makes a ton of sense. I mean, this is what we do in our practice. You know, we're looking at that big picture and we, you know, you can rattle off all these, you know, oh, well you need to avoid this, 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 and this, you know, but that is not helpful to the mom who has, you know, multiple kids at home and running them in different directions. And now all of a sudden she has to, you know, like you said, come up with all these different meal ideas. Now she's cooking more. She doesn't have time to be in the kitchen more. And that stress is actually exacerbating the inflammation more so than the little bit of dairy she did have in her diet. So, you know, we have to be looking at the whole picture. I can't agree with you more. And we also have to be looking at the person individually. Do you notice a difference? Yes. Right. Let's not forget the person and their. They're, um, they're right as a human to decide what feels good in their body versus telling them you can't have this when they feel perfectly fine.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Sorry. I got a little excited there. So I totally agree.
2: (laughs) I have gone on similar rants on my podcast. Like you have to look at the whole person. I a hundred percent agree.
1: So you mentioned there's things that we need to work on body, mind, spirit, right? So what are some of the things besides nutrition? What are some of the other things that we can focus on? Sleep
2: is big because while you're sleeping, that's when your body heals. It's when it restores, renews, it's when it repairs things. So sleep is important. And not just because you're tired when you have hypothyroid, it's important because you need to prioritize healing. And then reducing stress is probably one of the biggest things you can do for your overall health. And when I say reduce stress, there's physical stressors, there's mental stressors, there's spiritual stressors, there's stressors in your diet, there's stressors around us in our environment. So pick one thing, like don't stress yourself out by reducing stress, (laughs) pick something that's simple and reduce that. When my youngest was a baby and he had eczema head to toe, like I had to focus on everything all at once because like it was an emergency. But most of us, we can pick one thing. Like right now, I am going to go through my laundry room and I'm going to take out everything that's scented because that's a chemical stressor. And you know, just focus on that. Or maybe you're going to focus on deep breathing from your belly because that lowers the physical stressors in your body. It tells your body, oh, let's switch from that stress mode into rest and digest. So pick just one thing to focus on lowering your stress. And that's what I'd say. So sleep and stress, those are huge things that pretty much everybody can work on no matter what stage of life you're at.
1: Yeah, and even if you don't have a formal diagnosis, you're going to benefit from stress, reduction and sleep. So yeah, sometimes we're looking for like these, this different, right, nugget of information. And we're like, no, it's actually part of the basics. and, (laughs) And let's be honest, we don't have our basics down So we can't be going to that extra above and beyond thing until we get the basics, but we're like, no, it can't be that simple. It needs to be more complicated.
2: Right. Oh, and we want a magic cure. We just want to feel better without changing our lifestyle because changing our lifestyle is hard and it's uncomfortable and I don't want to go to bed earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I hear you on that one. All right, so I actually posted some, a question out to uh, the listeners of the podcast and to our community at Body Metrics uh, in terms of what questions do you have about Hashimoto's? So I'm going to, if you're okay with that, I'm going to ask you some of the questions that people submitted. Um, question number one is what lab levels indicate that Hashimoto's is in remission or under control?
2: So I think you're going to look at your trends. If you see that you had really high antibodies and now they're going down, that is a great sign. If your antibodies get down to quote negative, so that would be less than 35 for your TPO antibodies and less than four for your TG, that would be considered remission as far as your antibodies. But you want to look at your trends for your TSH and for, well, for all of them and It really depends on who you're working with, whether your physician is going to say if you are in remission or not, but you are going to look at your symptoms and then your trends. That's how I would evaluate it.
1: All right. And speaking of your physicians, when should an endocrinologist oversee your thyroid care versus your general practitioner?
2: You always want to find somebody who is going to prioritize your root cause and Making sure that you are getting the treatment that is particular to your needs at this time. Sometimes that person is going to be an endocrinologist. Endocrinologists are experts in hormones, and they have specialized in that for a reason. Sometimes that right person is going to be a nurse practitioner who isn't even, you know, a, a doctor. Some people are like, "In eh, nurse practitioner," and sometimes that person is going to be a doctor. Each one of us prioritizes different things in how we look at health. You want to find somebody who has the same, you know, worldview in their health as you do. And as a general rule, I mean, there's some really good endocrinologists, but as a general rule, I have heard that endocrinologists get stuck in, I'm a specialist, do what I say because I said so. And here's your plan. Instead of really listening to you and digging down into the root cause, some people have had really good success going to endocrinologists, and some of them have been brushed off completely. So look for somebody who's going to listen to you and prioritize the root causes. That's what I would say, whether it's a general practitioner or an endocrinologist, which doesn't completely answer your question, but there's so many different people in medicine you might have to shop around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and obviously if your numbers are trending in the wrong direction and you're not getting some relief or you're not seeing improvements, then that might be an indication as well. Like let's go find somebody else that can be helpful. Yes. Um, Well, and I think what can be frustrating too with thyroid medication management is we're tweaking, right? It's a bunch of little tweaks. We're going to adjust your medication just by a little tiny bit, And now we have to wait to see if it works. So it's not like you said, when you have gluten, you notice almost an immediate response that you feel depressed, you know, for some of this treatment management, we got to tweak and wait, and that can feel hard.
2: Yeah. And especially since you're living your life during that waiting period. So if you tweak your medication and then all of a sudden your stress goes up because of something in your life, then the results that you see might be related to that increased stress, not the medication. So you really have to look at the whole picture, what's going on in everything.
1: How long does it take the body to respond to a medication tweak?
2: Uh, For T4, Usually you're going to feel it within, you know, a week or two for T3 it's that day.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Another question. What are the best exercises uh, to not trigger symptoms or overstress the body?
2: You have to listen to your body on this one. I can't give you a specific because it's really related to you. In general, I'll say that the higher stress things, so like HIIT workouts, even running, they might be too much of a physical stressor for you versus something a little bit more gentler like walking or Pilates or yoga. Um, And that has to do with just how your body interprets that stress. For me, I love to run, but I know that if I go for a run, I will have increased thyroid symptoms. It's basically a given, it is my goal to get back to running, but to do that, I have to work on my root causes so that my immune system and my thyroid can get back to normal so that I can add that stressor on my body without impacting my health.
1: Is another way to monitor whether or not you're responding to an exercise is by looking at your recovery time, like that how can long definitely it takes help. for your body to... To recover. So if you go for a one mile run and it wipes you out for four or five days, that might be an indication that, <laughs> that, yeah, your body doesn't like this. It's taking too long to, to get back to a baseline.
2: Yep. Yep. But at the same time, if you have Hashimoto's, you're always tired. So you might not have that feedback. And so you have to look at other things, but that is a great one. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, and then one another question was, should I be concerned if my thyroid medication contains gluten? Absolutely. I didn't know know (laughs) that they, they do contain gluten.
2: Um, yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Your thyroid medication should not contain gluten and, you know, when you're buying supplements or anything, you should always be looking at the fillers and making sure that there's no allergenic fillers. So you don't want any gluten, wheat, soy, or anything in your medications or your supplements.
1: Right. Well, Esther, this has been fantastic. I feel like you are such a wealth of information, you know, when it comes to this, um, when it comes to this topic, I'm so sorry. I'm like, listen, I don't know if you can hear it on your end, uh, but there's somebody mowing the grass right outside (laughs) as I take this podcast. I'm really hoping you can't hear it. Um, But Esther, this has been fantastic. Seriously. Like this is, I just, I can't thank you enough for coming here today and helping us sort through all of this information and, you know, giving us, giving us some hope, but Hey, you know, just because we've been handed this diagnosis doesn't mean we have to you know, just lie down and take it. Like there are some things that we can do to improve the way we feel.
2: Yeah, there are. And I love giving people that hope and that empowerment, knowing that you do have power to address the root causes and to change the trajectory of your health. It's so fun to be able to like see that light bulb turn on for women or and men. And they're like, oh, I can do something. That's so fun.
1: Yeah. So Tell us again, what is the name of your podcast and where can we find you if we want more information?
2: Health with Hashimoto's is my podcast. It's also my website, healthwithhashimoto's, all one word.com. And on there, I have a Hashimoto's 101 guide. If somebody is like, oh, I didn't take notes. What, what did you tell? (laughs) what did you talk about? What are the labs? It's all in that 101
1: guide and that's free. All right. Excellent. All right, Esther, we end every single episode with a recipe. So we're excited to see what you're going to be sharing with us today. Well, I have four boys. So I have my recipes more as
2: formulas because I just like adapt whatever I have. So this one is, I don't even have a name for it. It's like rice and sausage is what I tell my kids. Um, So I take one lump of sausage, ground sausage, whatever that I don't know what the technical name for it is. When it comes in like a one pound package, um, I just get mine at Aldi and I brown that with a chopped up onion. And then I add a bag of frozen veggies, just whatever I'm using. Or sometimes if the boys are really hungry, I'll add two bags of frozen veggies and then I'll add a can of beans. And again, I don't care what kind of beans. I just add a can of beans because I want to increase that fiber. Um, And then I put it over rice. Now, if I'm being really sneaky, I will do half and half rice and cauliflower rice, but I have to be careful with that one because my kids are detectives and they will find the cauliflower rice. So if I'm doing it that way, I actually mix it all together um, before I serve it. Otherwise it's rice on in one pot and then the sausage, onion, veggies, and beans in another pot. It's super fast and it's healthy. And most of my kids like it, which is a win.
1: Listen, when you can get the majority, when you have a big family, you go with the numbers. So right? I, <laughs> I feel you on that one. I'm like four out of five like this. We're going with it. Sorry, yes. buddy. You're just going to have to figure it out. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: And if like one of my boys, he just doesn't like the sausage. So he just picks it out and gives it to a brother who does. So it ends up working out for even the one who doesn't quote like that meal.
1: Yeah. And like I said, you could use pork sausage, turkey sausage. You have a lot of different options here. Chicken yes. sausage. We're going to call it a sausage rice bowl. That sounds good. <laughs> That's the official title. All right. <laughs> uh, Esther, thank you so much for being here today. I'm very, I'm just so thankful that we could connect and that you could share, you could share your story with others.
2: It's an honor. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, guys, that is our episode for this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.